-hmm. assumed I was still sober. So it wasn't like they weren't trying to be there for me and rally around me. I put on a good show in public, right? And so it was that moment when I was like, I can't do this. And I remember I, I texted two friends and I was like, I'm falling apart, I need help. And then I had to be vulnerable with people and be able to say like, like this is how I need support. This is what I need from you and, and let people help me, right? Because I think I was afraid to ask for help because I was like, I didn't want to be a burden. Right, that's a lot of thing. That's a common thing for like alcoholics to say. Red summer, and it's Anifa Walida. We are your gay auntie. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. It's coming at you live again. A couple days, yeah. ago, but hey, you all get a pass. <laughs> Man, everything is really. Um, how do we say creative right now? People Flexible. are figuring out ways that they had not had to figure out before <laughs> today my son made dinner for the family and they were rushing me down come on come on it's time to eat and it was uh grilled corn and asparagus and i was like um thank you baby <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh, okay hey okay. hey we got, like, began somewhere we i began with eggs making <laughs> eggs yeah, so he he hooked it up for us. I was real real appreciative of that meal <laughs> that I didn't have to cook. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my mom have been cooking too, actually. Um, we've been uh, getting it in a little bit. You know, we got down to meal plans now. Like it's like because sometimes like you go shopping and you buy all your good, and then you you're kind of plowing through food. But sometimes when in idle time, you know, I'm gonna. Mm -hmm. Even if you're a creative person, blah, 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 when you get a certain way, you go right to your Joneses. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I said, Mom, you crying through food. This ain't right, and this ain't healthy. So. <laughs> we were ready. When we went on lockdown, we were ready. You hear me? Everything was packed. That thing is looking slim right now. <laughs> we going to have to start opening up these canned goods in a minute. We just we just read up we just read up um over here and it was good and I saw this great video um was this uh, healthcare worker worker God bless their hearts, um he made a video on how to to be mindful of what you bring into the house including your shopping materials and in the food because a lot of hands touch it all the way down to the person who puts it on the shelves you know yeah. um and you can't account for them right so just a you know, simple procedure of cleaning things and I showed it to my mother we had our little assembly line going. Oh, good. Boy, hit the refrigerator. It was cleansed and blessed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Better uh, safe than sorry, right? Oh, yeah, man. I, you know, I'm here with my mom. They ain't playing games. I'm, I'm, I'm OC, my OCD is coming out. <laughs> Cannot be too careful. No, like, you can't. No, no, even with myself. I mean, I hate to kind of do a total left, but just thinking about age and this. Unfortunately, today, I guess if you guys haven't heard, the youngest person in America to pass, pass today, and this was a, a young 13-year-old. And that, you know, I was like, let's cut it. I know y'all all like, oh, the elders, the elders, and yes, protect the elders because they're vulnerable, but we're all vulnerable because we're human beings. Absolutely. Fuck on point, stay your ass home. Stop. Yeah, I've seen three young people who graduated from college from my school after I did who mm. passed. I know uh, from a friend of a friend is now on a ventilator. Mm. You know, um, another friend of a friend passed. 
Yeah. You know, so it, it, it starts getting close to you. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, you know what I mean? So, but all, all that to say, we, we kind of wanted to talk about the elephant in the room because how can you not? And this is how we support each other. Um, mm-hmm. But I was talking, I was talking to Red and I was like, you know, I was born and raised in New York City, right? And my heart is in New York City, but I'm physically in Atlanta. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm at my mom's crib. And when I say crib, I don't mean New York crib. I mean a country crib. I mean, we got a backyard. We got a front yard. You know, we have ample space to give each other space. We got, you know, a deep freezer. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, you know, and it's making me think because I, I know what it is to live in a small apartment. I know what it is to live with people that... This round of roommates you just ain't feeling right now. <laughs> and you get stuck just by time with these motherfuckers. You know, but no real outside space and greenery and, and you know. Anyway, it's just, I, I guess city city isolation and country isolation. I don't know, because, you know, you a city girl too, but you in the country too right now. I so. am, right. And so I was looking at, I think you sent me the video of, of everybody in Brooklyn singing Biggie mm-hmm. out the window. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, I look out, you know, I look out and one, there's no people out, which is weird, but yeah, then everywhere. there's like no movement at all. Mm-hmm. So like, even though we're out in the suburbs, you would still see movement of some kind. Yeah. Um, and so it, it increases, you know, if you're already struggling with feelings of isolation, um, if you don't have, um, family or close friends that you're quarantined with at the moment like you know I remember growing up as a kid living in a high rise we had a lakefront view I grew up in Chicago so it was a beautiful view of the water and I would be twisting trying to see cars passing right (laughs) because after a while just that scene could be isolating and so I just imagine people who are used to the hustle and bustle around them and now everything is just so still like you see the pictures that people are posting when they go out for walks you see um the streets in New York you know in Times Square it's just like nobody out there it's absolute ghost town and that's emotionally jarring Mm -hmm. you know for a lot of people and so um we have to to figure out ways to to stay connected in this time to stay um to stay grounded in things that make us feel peaceful so that we don't get swallowed up in the anxiety of it all like these are really um, and if you're not sure what makes you feel peaceful, this is the time to find what that joy is, you know, um, and to even on, on a baseline really have reflect on your relationship with time itself, you know, mm-hmm. um, I always thought that was an interesting thing, at least for me, like, like I grew up like, you know, only kid, latchkey kid, and I had an interesting relationship with time because it seemed like almost endless, you know, that I would could be in the house by myself, like, you know, before my mother came home from work, you know? And I I realized as I got older, I actually have a relationship with time. I think everyone has different variants or relationships with time and how you can fill that up or even the need to fill that up. But a lot of times, because this is such a fast-moving place, it's not just New York, but just everything in general. You know, we fast online, you know, something's online in a hot second, you breathe, something's yeah. online. So... It's yeah. People are like making a lot of jokes, like, "Oh, it's um, oh my God, it's it's still March." And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've 
definitely has some is it still March mornings? Like, yeah. no, for real. For real. Like, for still? real. <laughs> for real. You know. Um, but you know, I'll just wrap up and say as far as this thing with time, it's like, you know, there's times or there's days where I am just basking in time, you know, caught up in the TV, binging. It's not even no judgment, because we all do it. Yeah. You know, but I also would feel certain, uh, like a certain kind of like, okay, I gotta get, I gotta get some air. I gotta get some air. And so I went out into the backyard, but then I went out in the backyard, like just kind of sat on the on a chair, you know, like I was on a stoop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got all this space. I said, let me bring my little speaker out here. I turned the house music going. I had my own little single house music in the whole. I had the whole backyard. You know what yeah. I mean? And then I got real moronic with it. You know what I'm saying? My mother's like deck was all filled with um, just stuff that this contractor left, right? But we weren't using the deck because all this wood, all this two by fours and everything was here. So I said, you know what? Uh-oh. I'll do this. So I moved <laughs> all that shit out the way, right? And into the shed and and then brought the, uh, the deck out and everything. I said, no, we're going to use this space. We're blessed to have the space during this Absolutely time how we want to define it you know let's use the space you know what i mean yeah fire pit up I me mean, yo i was getting my bush on getting my stud on whatever the fuck that is it got on and in yesterday but that's how I, all that being said that's how i use my time so time it like i was so in it and so present i enjoyed the time you know mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it was dinner time you know right i had uh one of those mornings well not even mornings I was going to sleep it was evening and I was like did I use my time well today Mm. and I remember that feeling of like oh should I be being more productive like I've been asking for this time I've been wanting just time to be home just you know work time when everybody's quiet because now like even though we're all here the children have, you know, to do school. They're in their rooms. My son is, you know, in the basement. Like, you know, everybody's kind of in their own spaces. So, like, am I being um, lulled <laughs> in my my peaceful space? Or, like, is this an opportunity for me to create something? Should I be studying something, learning something? Like, where... Where where should I be going <laughs> when this is over? Like, which what will I have accomplished? And I I took the first couple of weeks and rested, like I really did. And now I'm like, okay, I'm I'm feeling a little peppier. My wife got up and went and got patio furniture for us too. So now we have other workspaces and, and hangout spaces we can be. Like the space, whatever the space, yeah. yeah. All right. So now like what's what's the next phase? Like I think that's that's where I am. Um and just one so grateful and thankful to be healthy in this time mm-hmm. when so many people are are being affected. Like really really prayerful and reflectful and and grateful for that. Mhm. Mhm. I mean I mean Ashe. <laughs> 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 I say, um, I, I'm grateful for, for so much. And it's interesting that's how you use those first two weeks because those first two weeks, you know, people, yes, people were sucking up all the toilet paper and just like hoarding and, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. we don't even really know anything. We know, this is all we know. Wash your fucking hands and stay <laughs> as much as possible. 
All right. Y'all taking it to apocalyptic levels. And yes, the media, they feed all that, you know, be damned them for real. Like, okay, just give us the the bullets, y'all. All this drama, like, just rain it in. Just give us the facts and figures, you know. But um, that could have been a time we could have, like, all that rest you begged for. We just like, mm-hmm. really, like, how am I going to, what am I going to do with this time? And, 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 like, and, and if that time is just, you know, sleeping for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now some kids, so, you know, we, well, you got to shoot. You got kids, but you got to, pro- well, you know, hey, work with what you got. <laughs> <laughs> but you deserve some time to take a woof side in this if you take anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's, what is it going to be on the other side of this? Who are you going to be? You know, if you, if yeah. it's either what have you created or who are you going to be or a little bit of both or what have you, but what are you going to be on the other side of this? Karen Williams, some of me featured last uh, week, um, a comedian, a queer comedian, um, and she was just, you know, cracking up about butchers who can't cook. But she she went on a, a mini rant on one of her Facebook uh, live um, uh, um, broadcasts, and she really talked about the, the power of artistry. I'm absolutely loving the way we're all finally thinking about other people other than ourselves. <laughs> I know it's a stretch for a lot of us as Americans. We are just obsessed with the me, me, me generation and all of that. And yet this crisis, this this pandemic is actually drawing us together to think about one another. And I have to tell you, I am absolutely impressed with the way that people are responding, especially the artists. I mean, you got to give it to us. Many of us are losing our shirts right now. Uh, which is why I'm just being kind of a comic whore here, giving my PayPal and my Venmo information, because I had 2,100 likes on my very first video, and I thought, well, at one dollar a piece, that would, you know, I could keep my house and my car. Uh, so I just want you to know that anytime you're watching any of us, please, if you have a steady job. And it may not be that steady. I get it. Some states are like Ohio. They're at-will states. Uh, you're all panicked. Will I have a job? Will I not? But a dollar, two, three dollars makes a hell of a lot of difference in the world of independent artists, many of us who don't have health insurance or life insurance or any kind of pension. You can forget about that. So once again, I'm just making kind of a universal appeal, although... You know, I, I, I don't feel that worried. I don't. I work out of home, and the social isolating works for me. Uh, most of the lesbians, uh, if you're having lesbian bed death, this won't feel any different from how you've been living for quite some time now. Uh, she's in the other room reading. You're in the other room masturbating. So it really doesn't matter, does it? Yeah. Because okay, the artist got hit really, 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 really hard with this one. Okay? So it's, it's real. And a lot of artists have children. Okay, and support their children with their art. Um, whether you want to support us or other artists out there um, that you know of, I'm sure all of them have some sort of Patreon page or some means to contact them, their Venmo, their Cash App, what have you. So um, I know that there has been a lot of conversation about this. I'm just going to jump into it mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. <laughs> people are kind of going crazy a little bit. Huh? Um So the U.S. is now leading the world in confirmed coronavirus cases. 
right? Yeah. Congress just approved the coronavirus stimulus bill. Mm-hmm. In this bill, $1,200 to $2,400 one-time checks should be going out to selected American citizens. Selected? <laughs> selected. It's not to everybody. Well, I know I'm on that list. <laughs> I mean, honestly, fuck all the $1,200. Because that, I mean, all right, thank, okay, I'm not going to say no. But it's the unemployment is what people need. They need that bump on the unemployment. Yeah. You know? So that's another part of it that I did read about, that there should be a $600 increase for employment. Um, unemployment. Yeah, whatever unemployment, you get $600 more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Trump is expected to sign the bill. I thought he already uh, did. Come on, nigga. I just wanted to find out, like, what you thought about the check and if you, like, like what was your, I don't know. <laughs> It's a one-time check as opposed to a lot of countries who are doing, like, check, who are sending checks to families, like, every month while they're being affected. It's it's just a different... Real money, too. Real money. Like, money, like, oh, what? Okay, cool. All right, I can stay home. Okay. Yeah. $200 ain't going to keep nobody home. Oh, now? No, not not if it comes down to feeding their kids. Mm -hmm. You know, that's when you get... People start using other means like that. People, when when it comes to their family and they feel like they out of they don't have control of their family, the welfare of their family. People gonna do what they gonna need to do. You ain't gonna now, tell me to stay in the house. Then, that's like, true. then we got law enforcement. It's like that's like come on, just like do the right thing. It's more expensive not to. I was, I'm hoping that there's not going to be some sort of like stipulations on how the money can be spent, what it can be spent on. You know, when the government gives you something, they sure like to tell you what you can do with it. Um, and so, you know, not that you should be able, I don't know, you should be able to go do whatever you want to with it, I, I guess. However, um, I know that there's been conversations about should the money go towards housing costs. There's yeah. been conversations talking about should the money go back into because this is supposed to be stimulus money so stimulus money is supposed to be spent in stores right <laughs> and so like it there was some conversation That's around like on stimulus no the question is why are we talking about a limited amount of money we should say this is what needs to be done to keep the the country afloat and to keep people in a certain mindset and spirit to want to mm-hmm. do even when they fucking come out of their house <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, that's stimulus. The question is not oh, where it should be spent, it's that there should be more spent. You should be clear on what you need to spend it on, and you can find the money. You yeah. Know? Oh, come on, come on. I, well, they've been finding money to keep businesses afloat. Of course. <laughs> about the priorities. It's always about priorities. Uh, one last point of what we have yes. observed in our popping politics section of life. Um, is lives. I almost said one day, like, y'all about to lie me to death. Like, for real. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I turn around, somebody else is going live. But I, I do, as you know, as much as I'm talking about it, I have really enjoyed uh, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Anthony Hamilton. You know, I, I became an adult in the South. So, um, 
seeing some of the Southern DJs, mm-hmm. you know, going live and D nice, of course. Um, a lot of those have been great. I think um, Erica did one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tamia, uh, like just so many artists have been sharing their gifts. I think her was on yesterday. Um, just really taking this time to give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to share their their talents and, and their words. I actually watched yesterday a live on um, money management that the Revolt <laughs> Network put up. And it was like young, you know, young brothers talking about like, okay, like how do we yeah. um, get into, you know, the, the financial up curve that's going to happen after this is all over as opposed to being a victim of it. All right, so we're going to have Lee Lettison and Kareen on later on. Oh, yeah. So we've been kind of leading up to this conversation um, about Lee and the work that he's doing um, because we've been talking about partying with a purpose for this month. We've been talking about, um, like, answering letters from people who are struggling with um, their relationships with partying and substances. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, Lee is definitely moving into uh, some very, very powerful work around uh, promoting events that are clean right? <laughs> and that are safe spaces for people who are in recovery or just choose to abstain in a lot of ways. Um, so this is exciting for us to, to really have this culminating conversation. And those of you all who um, still want to send us letters about it or want to talk to us about your your stories or your experiences don't forget that we are here for you and you can go ahead and send us a letter at yourgayaunties at gmail.com or you can send us a note or a voice mail a voice question on instagram or twitter uh, at yourgayaunties also and you know we want to go a little bit into what we're going to be doing um, next month because we, we must uh, embrace and move through the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and next month is a great opportunity because it is poetry month. It is spoken word month. It is speak your truth month. It is voice your spirit <laughs> month. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, and so we have um, some great guests that are going to be coming up um, and, uh, and they're both poets. So we're going to use this opportunity, you know, um, you can write us letters and we do want and love and need your letters. So this show can be what it's meant to be. (laughs) But all all you poets out there, all you spoken word artists out there, all of you who are venturing into that, if you, wherever you are um, in your journey with spoken word and you are at home, which I know you are, um, and writing is how you are getting through, how you are maintaining and transforming and transforming. All right. Mm. Um, next month is your month. All right. So I want you guys to go to the Speak Your Truth. So what that is, if you go to our IG page and go into our link, there is something, a link there, a button called Speak Your Truth. And when you click that button, you go to a page where you have 90 seconds to do so. So that's, that is basically half the time that you get it slams, which is a good thing, because this is, this is not a slam. You know, whether it is Corona geared or something else that came out during Corona, we want to embrace ourselves during this time. So go on and do that on our IG um, page. And other than that, you know how to reach us with patreon.com slash your gay aunties. It's where you can give any amount, anything you got, whenever you got it. 
switch, uh, switch gears because we got our friend uh, Lee Letheson Perini. I need to look at my nose, bro. <laughs> 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 we're gonna we're gonna bring um, him in, um, and Lee has created and maintained um, a space of his own. He's gonna really talk about um, and just the work that he's doing um, in our community when it's time to party. All right, so let's bring Lee in. Second, I'm learning how to bring Lee in. Here we go. Oh, Lee's in. Oh, oh no. can you hear me? Oh. Yes. There can you, you hear are. me? I made it. Yes, right, yes. Go. Go. <laughs> Lee uh, Levinson Perrine <laughs> is from St. Louis, like myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A project manager and event planner and creative and founder of Makers Lab here in D.C. Yes. So how did you get started with, with Makers Lab and then we can transition to where you're going today? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I've actually been creating space in DC um, like since like 2008. That was the first time I did an event during DC Black Pride. I actually had a brunch at my house. We were expecting a few people. I think like 50 people showed up. Um, and then my partner at the time, we just became known for having these like Black Pride brunches. Um, then we went to Seattle. We went to Portland for a little bit for a sabbatical and came right back because it was Portland. And we uh, we lived, we moved into a small apartment and we're like, oh, we can't entertain like we used to. And I was like, why don't we throw a day party during Black Pride and see what happens? And so that was an event called Freak Out. And so it was like no cover, no dress code, and people just danced for like four hours and had an amazing time. Um, so then after the Freak Out years, I was like, oh, I want to do this on a more consistent basis. And so that's when I came up with the idea for Makers Lab. And we did a crowdfunding campaign, raised $11,000. And so we did... Um, an R.G. Lord birthday celebration. We worked on a music festival called Honey Groove. We did parties. We did a lot of stuff. And so, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what we did. Oh, we did it. We got known for our Beyonce dance parties. That's kind of how we got known. <laughs> so, the yes, yes. I've gone and sweated out at a couple of these events. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for your attendance. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Absolutely. They are really a good time. And like, so now are you looking towards doing more like, maybe arts-based work, or what is the, the new extension of this going to be? Right, and so, like, when I started Makers Lab, like I said, it was supposed to be more community-based events, like, away from the club. But then we I needed more money, basically, to keep the operation going. So I was like, oh, we'll do this Beyonce party as a fundraiser, and it took off, right? I think mm. 400 yeah. people showed up to Tropicalia that day. And yeah. so there people were, like, throwing more parties. We really like them. And then that kind of took over the original focus of Makers Lab. And quite honestly, I, I got caught up in the attention and it was also feeding, and at that time I didn't recognize it, but it was like feeding my addiction, right? And so I was a promoter and drinking all the time and um, I thought it was being the life of the party, but it was, yeah, it was actually, it was actually a big mess, right? And so now that I've gotten sober, it's still this desire to create space, but now do it without alcohol, so. Mm. I, I want to ask you, and I don't know if this is like too much, but um, especially for our listeners, we have uh, really young listeners a lot of time as well. And I wanted to ask, like, how did you get to the point where you decided enough is enough or that it was time to to get clean? Um, it was decided for me. Like I had had a lot of starts and stops. And then after an unfortunate incident in 2016, my family was like, you're going to rehab. And so I got shipped off to Minnesota, Minneapolis, and went to uh, Pride Institute, which is the LGBTQ rehab facility. Mm. Um, yeah, we have an LGBTQ rehab facility. Um, and so I, I was there for a month, okay. and then I spent three months in sober living, came back to D.C., but then actually ended up relapsing 
um, a couple of times. And mm -hmm. so I went back into treatment. I did an outpatient program last April. So actually this Saturday, April 4th coming up will mark one year. And so I'm really excited about like that, that milestone. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, congratulations for that. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Okay, and then you, you're saying, well, I'm, I still want to be social. Right. So, <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fun guy, I like to think. Uh, I want to be social, but um, I realize that a lot of the spaces where queer folks hang out tend to be like in bars and clubs, and there's reasons for that, right? Because it's easier to access those spaces. Because when you rent other spaces, like they can be cost prohibitive, you have to have deposits and all these other things. When you produce in clubs, you're just kind of hit a bar minimum. So it's a lower barrier to entry. Um, but I still want to connect with people, but it is not a safe space for me to be in a bar. Like it is a trigger, right? Mm -hmm. And my yeah. one job is to stay sober. And so mm -hmm. I have to be very mindful of where I spend my time and how I spend it. And so, but I still want to connect. And so I've been creating space for a very long time and I know that I can create fun spaces without alcohol. And so that's, that's my mission and that's my focus now. Nice. Like what are the what is the experience of, of walking into the space that you created that you can have fun without alcohol? Right. And so we had this plan pre-corona where we were basically going to like relaunch in April and then roll out these sober events starting in May. And so these were meant to be like in-person experiences. And so uh, we were gonna do like a body positive workout class. Um, we were gonna do like a comedy show called Like I Said What I Said. We had like four or five like different events that we were gonna create. Um, and then, you know, the past two weeks, everything has changed. And now we have been making moves to move everything online. So these will now be virtual experiences. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as we can come together again in person, then those events um, will be sober. But so right now we're like, even the stuff we do virtually, like, um, like for one of the dance parties that we're doing, like we're suggesting mocktails that people make. We're not suggesting cocktails. And so just little things like that to kind of show people like, this is like what we represent. And then we're gonna kind of see what happens, but there's definitely a need for community right now. We're gonna try to create it online and then move into in-person again, like we're known for. Well, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask a straight question. So yeah. I, it's, a, it's a kind of a two-part question. One, um, who is drawn to your party? What kind of person mm -hmm. is drawn to your party? And okay. what do, what, what's the kind of feedback you've gotten from them? Like, you know? Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I, I've always said that Makers Lab we throw events for the queerdos and the weirdos. And so, um, I mean, it's for people, I mean, like, I don't, I, I don't, I'm a pretty, what do, how do I say this? Name? Like, I don't really dress up a lot. Like, if I could wear a t-shirt every day, I would. I wear t-shirt and jeans and some sneakers. Like, when I go out, I really want to dance. I'm not about the scene. Um, and so for me, it's just really about community and, and connecting with folks, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and I bring out the people with, like, like the blue hair and the piercings and like all that kind of stuff. I think that's my crowd. So that's the issue is we haven't actually had an event yet without alcohol. Like we were on a, Maker's Lab was on a break for a while because I was focusing on my recovery. Mm -hmm. Now that I've got time under my belt, I was like, we are relaunching with this focus. And that was supposed mm -hmm. to happen. Got you, got you. So now with Corona, we're doing mm -hmm. this online approach for May as we celebrate DC Black Pride. And then hopefully by fall, then we can do in-person events that are like substance free. So, um, so I don't know how people are going to respond, but I'm actually at peace with if the audience changes because people like myself and people like recover in recovery need spaces. And those people are going to be, are going to gravitate to that. And there's also people who just are tired of going to like drink fest, right. And are down to try something new. So mm -hmm. yeah. I'm optimistic. Drinking in hookah. 
That's it. That's it. That's it. So we do have a letter. Here's your letter. Um, that I hope that you would, you know, be able to help us to answer. Um, I'll go ahead and, and jump to it. Hey, aunties, hope you are making the best of the Corona teen. <laughs> um, I can't wait till this is over so I can connect with other queer folks. Before lockdown, I went to a party and drank way too much. The turn up was real, or at least I think it was. Several friends called me the next day to make sure I was okay. These folks never call. They are texters. I'm not sure what happened that night or how I got home. Unfortunately, this isn't the first time this has happened. I'm really beginning to think I have a problem with alcohol. Where does a queer person who wants to build community but maybe can't or shouldn't be around alcohol go? Yours truly, not sober, and kind of sad. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I feel like that letter was my story. Like a lot of nights, um, you know, people be like, "Maker's Lab was so great. I really enjoyed that party." To be quite honest, I don't remember a lot of the Maker's Lab days. Like, mm. um, it is kind of a blur for me. I can watch recap videos and kind of be like, "That was great," but like waking up and not knowing what happened the night before and a lot of regret. That was me for probably a good four years, right? Um, I think. Now, as a person, you know, in recovery and trying to find spaces, like, we're fortunate here in D.C., we actually have a group called DMV Sober Queers. And so it's a group of folks, like, you know, committed to, like, building community and finding, like, different ways to hang out. Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily a big AA person, but it does work for people. I have gone to AA meetings, and I'll go out for coffee with people afterwards, and that's how I build community. Um, but it, it really is hard, right? And I... And I, that's why I feel like there's a, a need for what I, what I want to do, and that's why I'm going to do it. So, because also um, hanging out with someone after a meeting, meetings can be like very heavy, right? And sometimes you just want to go to an event that's fun and that's not like focused on people talking about their alcohol use disorder for an hour and then like you know processing all that, right? Can we just go to a social? Can we just go to a comedy yeah. show? Can we go to a dance party and just be and just have fun in our lives and some joy? And so. Um, so there's not enough of those spaces, but I, there is a movement for those spaces being created. Definitely happening, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, go ahead. No, we can say that you know, spaces. This is just uh, what's what's our friend's name? Um, not sober. Oh, okay, I thought it was, okay. Not <laughs> yeah. sober. Um, right. Space is relative, just like time, <laughs> just like life. Um, and right now we all are living in similar spaces, it's somewhat limited. And I think this may be a good place to begin to ask yourself, where is my joy within these limitations? I don't know what your house setup is. I don't know if you have alcohol in the house. I don't know, even if you do, if you feel willful enough to not have alcohol in the house, but let's put alcohol aside. Mm-hmm maybe take this time that we all have to really find new joys mm -hmm. and really start to entertain those joys. Um, just escapism comes, people escape in all different ways. And one way is alcoholism, whatever you're escaping from, you know? Mm -hmm. But since we literally all can't escape. <laughs> 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 
it's kind of imploding in itself. So you're left with yourself, which can be a scary thing for all of us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a lot of us are kicking things or trying to shed things or trying to look at things differently for ourselves, for our families, for it all, you know, so this, like with this, know that you're not alone in this, that everybody yeah. is going through and trying to transform and trying to at least reflect or at least learn how to maintain, learn something new out of this about themselves and what you can do. Mm-hmm. You have the same time as we all have. Um, and you don't have to do it as soon as you hear this. It may take you whatever time, but you guess what you got? Yeah. <laughs> guess what you got? <laughs> That's right. And I don't, yeah, I don't drink anymore. I haven't had a drink in a year. Um, there is no alcohol in my house. Um, I, I live in a basement apartment. My best friend is upstairs. She's removed all the alcohol, so it's not visible for me. So especially as a person in early recovery, like I know what steps I have to do to like protect myself. And that's also why I don't go to happy hours. I don't go to those type of spaces because it doesn't make sense for me. Um, and so I know that my joy is like listening to music. My joy is walking. My joy is being with my family. It's like talking on the phone, listening to music. And so um, I've been like tapping into that definitely during this, like, you know, this downtime that, that we all have right now. So. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that you have this um, this online community too as well. Maybe that's something um, that people might not know about um, that especially for our listeners that you all can start to tap into. Also, we mentioned this for in another capacity, but even tapping into like meetups and and different Mm -hmm. events that are going on so that you have something to busy your time with. Mm -hmm. I think um, another thing for me, just reflecting now, I would drink when I went to parties when I was kind of like bored. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So like just standing around at the party, I'm going to go to the bar and get a drink, right? right. If I'm just like um, there with people who are not engaging me and like, you know, I'm really having a good time with the people that I'm around, then I'm going to go to the bar, right? And so thinking about those patterns that you have, like those behaviors that you had that led you to that, um, get, your, get your crew together, like, <laughs> yeah. like get your people and also, like, paying attention to the the people that you were around when you were able to completely lose control. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe having conversations with those people. Mm-hmm. Listen to, to yeah. be my friend in a way that may look different now than before. Like, I need you to check me. Like, I need you to... <laughs> I need you to to, step, to kind of step up and hold this space for me because I've not been able to see my limitations on my own. And so for those people, especially young people, like we excuse it all the time. Like we, we accept this as a part of life. Like young people are going to hang out and they're going to party and they're going to get drunk and they're going to, you know, experiment and all that kind of stuff. But you know, making sure that you have your tight crew that's that's going to be with you and make sure that you don't go to those extremes. Not that they can't have fun or, you know, you all, you know, can't have fun because I know I'll be, I'm the grandma with all my friends. (laughs) But, you know, but just making sure that we're watching out for each other. Right. And so my, my friends, like once I was like, I have a problem, we're very supportive. And it was like, how can we support you? What do we need to shift? But what happened with that is I would go 
the club and not drink around my friends and they thought I was okay. And then I would come home and drink by myself. So everyone assumed I was still sober. So it wasn't like they weren't trying to be there for me and rally around me. I put on a good show in public, right? And so it was that moment when I was like, I can't do this. And I remember I, I texted two friends and I was like, I'm falling apart, I need help. And then I had to be vulnerable with people and be able to say like, like this is how I need support. This is what I need from you and, and let people help me, right? Because I think I was afraid to ask for help because I was like, I didn't want to be a burden. Right. That's a lot of thing. That's a common thing for like alcoholics to say. And I was like, I'm not a burden. These people love me and they want me to live. Right. And so I have to love myself as much as they love me. And I started doing that. Right. So I'm kind of thinking about um, CJ, the le uh, letter that we got previously in this conversation. He was saying that um, in his experience going out, like he recognized that he was an adult, but he was still like, falling victim to this kind of peer pressure of, come on, one more, come on, one more. <laughs> I think it's people not being comfortable with themselves too, right? Especially as queer people. Mm. So if you don't see examples of yourself or feel like you're okay, and like, I didn't come out as a trans man until almost like, what, five years ago, four years ago. And so I think the drinking also fueled some of my, like, not accepting myself and not thinking the world would be okay with me if I medically transitioned, right? And so I think um, there was like a lot of fear and just like kind of like suppressing who I really was. And and alcohol did that. And alcohol also helped dress, address anxiety, right? It was a it was a coping mechanism at parties because I was like, oh, I'll be more charming or I'll be able to talk to people if I just have a few drinks. But then that quickly escalated to like ten drinks, and then it was it was a nightmare. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. No, that, that one kind of hit heavy for Is me in thinking of like how many people who who have those things of like the social anxiety or feel feel awkward or feel like they're in unfamiliar spaces, especially going into new queer spaces, like you are burdened with all of these doubts about yourself and a way that you manage that or address it or, you know, cloak it in whatever way is by the drinking, and we're just focusing on drinking, but drinking and others, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, right. and all the other substances that go along with that. Uh, but I will say, and it's definitely, it's, it's a heavy topic, but I can also say like, since getting sober, like this has literally been the best year of my life, right? Like this is the happiest I've been, this is the most mm -hmm. aligned I've been, and it wouldn't have happened if I had kept drinking, right? Like mm -hmm. getting sober has saved my life and it's made me a better person, a better son, a better brother, a better uncle. It, like, I'm, I love the person who I am and I'm proud of the person I've become mm -hmm. and that because of sobriety, right? And so I think there's like, I do want folks to be right. Like, this is hopeful to be hopeful and it's, it's a journey. And like, I went to rehab and I was sober and I relapsed and I got sober again and I relapsed. Like, it's not, it's not an easy process, right? And mm -hmm. like, I think people have to be okay with that and realize it's a journey and it literally is like one day at a time, but like, those days add up and like, I, yeah, I'm just like so happy. It's kind of, yeah, I'm really, I'm a happy person and I'm a grateful person. So I'm just curious about one thing. What, what is, what is you, what do you think about, um, on the flip people who, um, abuse even just weed? Mm -hmm. so, I mean, it seems like it's all attached to the same rope, holding onto the same handle as far as, right. you know, you know, people's relationship with getting intoxicated and how far they want to get intoxicated, you know? And this right. is aside from, you know, what weed, whether weed is healthy or not, or more healthy or not, 
I'm just talking about the, the, the addiction of it for some. Right. Yeah. All right. And so, yeah, I've, I was definitely in treatment with people who, um, uh, who had weed addictions, right? Mm-hmm. And so for some people, it works. And for some people, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you, like, like, start to rely on it and it becomes your crutch, then, yeah, you might need to address it. And so I think it just, like, depends on the person. I think people know when they have an issue with a substance, right? You know when things don't feel right. It really gets right? passed a lot of the times because it's weed. You know what I mean? It really gets a pass, and people sometimes yeah. can't see this between I'm just rolling this blunt or this is my 50th blunt I've rolled in the same day. You know what I mean? Like, it's like how there's a point like, okay, you're high already. I mean, you're high. You know, are you yeah. enjoying that high? <laughs> or you like the idea of getting high? I don't know. I, you know, listen to it again. I'm just trying to understand, you know, but weed does get a pass, you know, and we don't, you know, think about that maybe sometimes. I mean, I will say this. When I was in treatment, when people identified as like weed, like addicted to weed, people kind of stared at them and like, why are you here? Like it actually mm-hmm. wasn't seen as a real addiction. And so when they would participate in group, they were discounted, right? But I was like, if it's having a negative impact on your life, you need to address it, right? But it was just like, oh, that's just weed. You should be okay. You just don't know how to handle it. And I was like, well, that's the same issue we're facing, right? But we were then passing that judgment onto other people who needed support, right? And so it's, yeah. Yeah. I will say this about creativity real quick. Like, I thought that I could not be creative sober. Mm. I thought that I needed alcohol to create. And actually being sober... This is the most creative I've ever been in my life. The stuff we're about to do for Black Pride and this like virtual party mm-hmm. that we're producing, it's about to be like MTV meets Be Nice meets One Up Six Park meets a whole lot of things. And like this is how long is the party online? It's gonna be a four-hour experience, um, s- similar to what we would have done at Tropicalia, but we recognize that this is now an online experience, so we have to shift it. And so we're actually not even going to do live performances. We've paired up the performers with a videographer. Like, they're sending the footage and they're making music videos. So we're really treating it like MTV for a day, and then we're going to turn it into a dance party. So we're just trying, like, different ways to curate an experience. That, Wait, uh, everyone's going like, to be in their own little pods dancing? In their own little screen uh, dancing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that, that, that's the thing. Like, when we were going to cancel the party, I was like, we can't cancel this party. Like, these performers are relying on this gig and so many performances have been canceled. And I was like, people always be like, Lee, you're a great party promoter. I was like, yeah, but the experiences wouldn't be what they are without these artists. Right. So we're going through a time like this. Like I have a government job. I, I have insurance. I'm getting paid every two weeks. So I have to use the resources I have and my creativity to figure out how we're going to create a new space so that these performers like get paid because this is just like the scariest time. And um, so finding like innovative ways and speaking to like in the music videos we're making, we're going to have people's cash apps. Right. Mm-hmm. So as you're watching the music video, like we said, $7, oh, oh, yeah, $2, yeah. right. And get people paid. And so yeah. we can have enough momentum about it, around it. People will make, they'll do very well that day. And that, that's what has to happen. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Where can they find it? Where can they connect to it online? Oh, yeah. Hold on. oh makerslabdc.co, dot, dot co, not dot com, dot co. But the party is like, that's going to be the culminating event. That's Sunday, May 24th. It's called Black in Space. Um, and that information is also on Maker's, huh? makerslabdc.co. I'm going to be wearing a space suit. Um, we're going to have like <laughs> custom mocktails. we got a drink called the Pootie Tang. Um, so we're just like <laughs> trying to have fun with it and, and bring some joy on a Sunday afternoon. So Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. We'll, put, we'll get all the information for you and I'll put it in the, um, in the show notes. 
Oh, yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Yeah, thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, thank you for inviting me, and I, I really appreciate y'all taking the time. And listen, y'all, you know, whatever you're dealing with, um, you got yourself and you got time, you know, um, and hopefully you got family and friends, and you can use, at the very least, you know, connect with friends virtually. Um, but definitely check out um, Lee's stuff. We'll put information in the show notes. Um, holla at us. Remember, next month is is the blessings of the word. We want to hear your blessed words. Go to that link at your gay aunties on Instagram. It's called Speak Your Truth. Click that and you got 90 seconds to do so. Auntie Hanifa and I really, really hope that you found uh, this experience to be a space for learning and advice and growth, love, laughter, and and all the things that are a part of your good gay life. (laughs) So those of you all who are regular listeners, you already know that we've been um, asking for you all to send us and keep sending us your auntie quotes. If you hear something in the show that you uh, want us to highlight, we're going to take those quotes and immortalize them in our auntie merch. (laughs) Yes. So we have our um, online store up. We have t-shirts and sweatshirts and all kinds of things. So make sure you go ahead and check us out um, on the link in our bio in Instagram at Aunties. Also, you can give us a shout on um, uh, Twitter if you like, because we are there and post any auntie quotes that you like from the show there as well. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and as you know, we're coming to you um, live um, right now, and we, we do so well. Today is Tuesday because we had a glitch in the matrix called Corona. <laughs> but <laughs> but usually we come to you every um, Sunday live um, on YouTube at 1 p.m. Eastern um, time. And then, of course, um, every Wednesday via however you get your podcast. Basically, I tell you. Absolutely. And if you would like to support the movement, <laughs> you can do so on Patreon slash the gay aunties, patreon.com slash the gay aunties. Mm-hmm. Like uh, our shout out spotlight supporter of the week. Shout out to Shanta Smith Cruz. What's up, Shanta? Thank you. Thank you for hitting um, us off. Um, thank you for sending your auntie some love. And I know who you is, and you know I love you, girl. <laughs> we both know who you is. Love you. Thank you. Give the baby a kiss for me. And <laughs> jazz. Well, that's all I have for the day. Thank you so, so much, Lee, for joining us. Yes, yes. Thank you, Lee, for joining us, and we're going to just go out on this. I am Amika Walida. And I am Red Summer. And we are your gay auntie. Bye, baby. Uh, no.